there's more suicide happening in high school students than ever before. I knew that my purpose needed to be with high school students. Did you realize that this much power is inside of you? This is the Other Side of Adversity podcast, inspiring stories to fill your cup. I'm your host, Laura Massey, and welcome to the show. Our guest today is a speaker and author and a certified Reiki master, Sherry Marcantuano. Sherry dedicates her life to mindfulness and healing. In 2017, Sherry left the corporate world and began teaching mindfulness and meditation to the teens in Atlantic City High School. She is the author of Become the You Your Younger Self Needed and the creator of hashtag I am free path to empowerment, a high school based curriculum, helping students cope with anxiety and depression. Sherry is the owner of Lotuswood Journey and is currently working towards speaking at TEDx and getting hashtag I am free to be part of high school health curriculums throughout our nation. In this episode, Sherry shares her inspiring and relatable story about how losing her father and being left alone with broken tools that no longer served her led her on a journey of self-discovery, ultimately leading her to leave her corporate job to provide healthy tools like mindfulness, breathing, and meditation to high school students. Sherry, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Very exciting. Great. Thank you very much for being here. So tell me a little bit about your background, Sherry. I grew up in a small town. I am one of four. My brother is seven years older than me. And then I had an older sister that died when she was 16 months old. And then my parents had me and then my younger sister. So I grew up in this small town of Hamilton. And I was like every other kid until I realized that I wasn't like every other kid. I felt alone. I felt dismissed. I felt I didn't belong. And my parents were going through their own struggles and they were great parents, but I was always told, wait until you get older, then you'll realize what a problem is. And I didn't realize how deeply that was rooted inside of me until I was older and didn't know how to solve any of those problems. And talk to me about growing up Italian Catholic. It was church on Sunday and then grandparents' house, Catholic guilt for the rest of the week. We went to church. Growing up Italian was stayed in your culture, you stayed in your race, you stayed in your religion, and I never understood any of that. That didn't make any sense to me. And I just kind of left the church and became more spiritual and mindful, but still holding the values that I learned as a young kid. Being aware of myself, knowing that I can sit in silence and connect. And it's all about the family, right? It's all about the family. You don't tell anybody your problems, you stay within the family. If something happens in your house, you don't talk about it. You don't tell anybody about it. It's whatever happens in the house stays in the house. And that was a big deal for me because there were so many secrets and kids are seen and not heard. And then it's been a little over 10 years now since your father passed, but talk to me about what happened and how that kind of started you along this journey. He was the glue. So when I saw how the family was treating one another like garbage, it was bad, but you would never allow anybody else to treat you that way. Growing up, being dismissed and told just 
Sherry, wait until you get older. You'll know what problems are. Just go in the other room. I became a people pleaser. So when my dad died, my mom couldn't be alone. And she asked my sister and her family to move in with them. And they did. There was five people that moved into my mom's house. Uh, she lived in a rancher. They moved in. And there was a lot of turmoil because when my sister left, she was 20 years old. When she came back, she was 35. So it wasn't my mom's 20-year-old daughter coming back. It was my mom's 35-year-old daughter with her husband and three children coming back. There was a lot of fighting. And I was there trying to make the peace, trying to make it right. And the whole time I'm fighting with my husband because he doesn't want to hear anything. My daughter was getting bad, like being fresh. So there was a lot of things happening. I was fighting with everybody. I was drinking. I was smoking. I was not eating right. I was lying to my husband when he told me not to go to my mom's. I would go there anyway and then pretend like nothing was wrong here. And I noticed one day I was sitting at my cubicle and I just felt my face was weird. It just felt tingly. And five days later, my eyes started to droop and my lips started to droop and I developed Bell's palsy and also had GERD. So Christmas Eve, instead of eating food, I was eating Tums because I couldn't hold anything down. It burned so bad and the spasms were so awful. I didn't even know how I was going to make it through Christmas. It was, it was the worst. And then of course, like I was doing all these negative things to my body, drinking, smoking, eating unhealthy, fighting. And I remember coming home and I remember telling my husband, I'm going to go to the hospital. And he said, just go. Just remember being in the hospital by myself, having all of these tests run on me because I thought I was having a stroke. After all the tests were done, hours at the hospital, they told me it was Bell's palsy. They told me there was no stroke. They told me that it was GERD. They also told me that um, I had to follow up with a doctor, but I was just really excited not to have had a stroke. And I remember being so excited to go home to tell my husband that. And when I got home and I opened up the front door, he had bags of my things packed, ready for me to leave. And he said, it's time for you to leave. And I said, where am I going to go? And he said, well, you're going to figure that out. You're not going to stay here. You're not going to bring your family's problems here. This is our house. I don't want drama. I don't want your mom's problems here. I don't want your sister's problems here. I just want a peaceful life. I said, please, what, wait, how am I going to do this? So I stayed downstairs for a while. And, you know, the universe, it works in strange ways. And when you're ready for change, it comes. And I knew that there was something that needed to be done, but I didn't know how to leave my family. And I remember the doctor telling me wherever I was, I had to leave. And I thought to myself, you are not Italian. You are not Catholic. You have no idea what it's like. I have to be around my family. And that was quite the opposite of what the universe wanted for me. So my friend Dave Wood came home. He just looked at me and he said, you need Reiki. I'm like, what is that? gave me a, the woman's number. I knew I had to do something. And I, when I made the appointment, I asked her, is this going to hurt me? And she said, no, no, you know, this will make things more clear for you. And when I went there and I just dumped on her, she was so nice. I just dumped everything, my whole life on her. And she looked at me and told me that I was the angriest person she's ever met. I got the Reiki session and it was so many emotions. I knew that it was something that I needed to do, but it was so hard getting out of that negative pattern. 
So I had to tell my mom that I had to step away for a while. And that was really difficult because how do you step away? You know, you were brought up in this tight knit family. My husband wanted to divorce me, had Bell's palsy, had GERD, and my daughter was just out of control. And I knew that this was the path I needed to take. And I went to her every week and I just found myself finding different ways to express myself that were not throwing something or yelling or smoking. And it was very freeing to be there and to express myself to someone. And I remember the first time she said to me, it's okay that you don't agree with your family and it's okay if you walk away. What's not okay is if you don't forgive them. And that was so huge for me, like forgive them. I always said, oh, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. But that's not forgiveness at all. So I really learned a lot of valuable things. And it made me really look at the relationships that were around me as well. And I noticed that a lot of people that were around me were very negative because of course I was negative and I had to change that and just set new boundaries. And that was awful as well, because people think that you're better than them at that point. And my mom and I have a very good relationship now. It's nice to have a relationship with my mom. And the first time I remember telling her that the new boundary I wanted to set with her was just about me and you. I wanted to have a relationship about me and you. And I didn't know what that looked like because for so many years of my life, it wasn't about me. And I had to like discover my mom. Let's go back to the boundaries. How do you learn to set healthy boundaries and what does that look like? Well, you have to set them first with yourself. I didn't have a lot of self-worth. I had to learn a lot about myself. So a boundary for me was if I was saying to you, um, when we talk, Laura, I only want it to be about flowers. And then we start talking, and then we start talking about other people. Well, I'm not keeping to the boundary that I want to set. So I really have to make sure that I take care of me first and I make sure that I'm in a good place to have a healthy boundary with you or anyone else. You talked earlier about being a people pleaser. So how does that tie in with boundaries? Well, so I'm not a people pleaser anymore because I found my worth. When I realized my worth, when I acknowledged it, when there was a lot of deep rooted issues that I had that I didn't even realize that were so deep. When I let go when I acknowledged, when I forgave all those parts of my life. You know, a lot of times when we do something wrong way back when, and we keep beating ourselves up for it years, 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 years later, you know, we still keep ourselves stuck there. So there's no way you could be healthy if you continue to beat yourself up. So when I started really finding out who Shari was, the boundaries came easy because I realized that if I don't, I don't want to talk about people. So I stayed away from the people that talked about people. And I found more like-minded people. And that helped because when you set boundaries, you can't set boundaries to have, I'm not going to eat cake and then go to 15 parties. That's not going to be, how are you going to help yourself? How are you going to, if you don't understand the boundary? In your book, you talk about using broken tools and you give the example of using a fork to eat soup. And if you never know that a spoon exists, you just continue to use a fork to eat soup. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that and what it represents for you? The fork for me represented how backwards and how broken just allowing family to treat you a certain way and not allowing someone else to treat you a certain way. How that is the the worst tool ever 
because if you allow your family who is the closest to you to treat you poorly, how do you then change and then make your best friend treat you another way? And then your coworker treats you another way. And this one treats you another way. That fork was so important when I discovered that if I'm treating everyone kind, then that's what I need to expect back from everyone. Those broken tools of don't worry about it, your family, you're supposed to stick by your family. That was the worst tool for me, the biggest broken tool, because all my life, I allow people to dismiss me in my family. And I went outside of my family to find people to fill me. And then it was just this back and forth seesaw that never even made me happy because I didn't know anything about myself. So that fork was a huge eye opener for me. And then when I realized my worth and realized the part of myself, that I could give. That's the spoon. I love that. Thank you. So how did you get to work with teenagers? They're a really difficult bunch. Oh, well, so when I was about 13 or 14 years old is where I was stuck, where I got stuck. In high, middle school into high school, family drama and family problems and the secrets and the quiet and this is a dynamic when I started to feel unwanted. And I was um, 17 when I tried to commit suicide. And instead of my mom, so I watched poor behavior in the house, yelling, fighting. And that's what I mimicked in my relationships. So I had this boyfriend and we had such a toxic relationship. You know, he would hit me, he would cheat on me, he would talk about me and I allowed him to because he was paying attention to me, which I wasn't getting what I needed, which now I realize over all these years that you need to give it to yourself before you expect it from someone else. But going back to when I was a young child, like a teenager, I allowed him to treat me like crap. And when he broke up with me, uh, he just didn't want me back. He got another girl. He broke up with me and I couldn't handle it. I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't have tools. You know, all the problems that I was told, wait until you get older, then you'll see a problem. I was getting older and I didn't know how to solve anything. So when uh, it came down to it, I thought, uh, you know what? He doesn't love me. I don't feel the love that I need from my family. I just don't feel important. I went downstairs. I grabbed a knife out of the kitchen. I went into the bathroom and I slipped my, I cut my wrist. And instead of my mom taking me to therapy, I got taken to the hospital and drug tested because in the eighties, therapy was still not something Italian Catholic people do. You know, you just push it down, just shove it way down. (laughs) Um, Don't talk about it. It doesn't exist. If you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. I wasn't doing drugs. I was just sad and lonely. And that was where I stayed for many, many years. As of 16, I'm going to say, year old energy. So when I was 26, I was acting like a 16-year-old. When I was 36 and my dad died, I was acting like a 16-year-old. And... I realized that 
students today have so many triggers, have so much influence, negative influence, that I don't even know if I would have been able to handle along with feeling unwanted, feeling that I was dismissed. So when I got it in my head, watching my own daughter grow up and seeing some of the struggles that she had because of the environment that I put her in when my dad died, I knew that my purpose needed to be with high school students who were going through the things that I went through. And I just think that they are the most amazing bunch of kids. They're so ready, but they they are taken, they do take on their parents' problems. They do take on their family's problems and they don't know what to do with it because they're young, you know? I see a lot of people talk to their kids like they're best friends and they're not your friend. They're they're your kids. You shouldn't be asking them about dating advice when you're an adult. They don't know that yet. So that's where I, my mindset went right to high school. And I love, absolutely love being with them. They soak it in. They, they want the change. They, they, they can relate to my story. They understand because they're going through the same things. And I just know that that broken me needed to be this unbroken me, this whole me to help other broken teenagers. Sherry, thank you so much for sharing your story. As you know, I work with teenagers as well, and the cutting for me, that's always the biggest shock that I just can't get over. I know you mentioned some of the struggles that teenagers today deal with, with social media and this constant need for gratification. Can you talk to me about some of the things you see as well as some of the tools that you offer to help them? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, the cutting is huge. My daughter actually was clipping her fingers. Uh, You know, when you should clip your nails, instead of clipping your nails, she would clip right underneath her nail bed. Um, because that felt really good and that released a lot of anxiety for her and it was unnoticeable too. So I would just say, what are you doing? How come you can't clip your nails the right way? And she was actually clipping them to release the pain. And now I'm able to see that as a sign and hone in and understand and talk to the, the students, talk to parents when I see them anything that your kids either want to talk to you, shut your phone off, look at them in the eye, give them what they need. They just want that time. They just want to be validated. They want to be heard. And a lot of the things that I do when the students, when I work with students, I just look them in the eye. I give them the time they need. We talk about, I teach them how to breathe. And the best, the best is tell them my story we get through my story and they're just sitting there with their mouths open thinking, how did you even get here? And because a lot of them are going through what I went through and I say, okay, I'm going to teach you how to breathe. And they say, we already know how to breathe. And when I teach them how to breathe, they are in shock. And I always, always ask them, did you realize that this much power is inside of you? And that's like, 
the big aha moment for them because some of them, most of them don't have the support because most of them, their parents are going through the same struggles my parents went through and they don't have the proper tools. So I am beyond thrilled that I can give that to them. So we do breathing, we meditate. I talk to them about vision boards and being aware of themselves. I talk to them about negative um, situations and how you can start to represent yourself with positive affirmations and really knowing how to believe in yourself to believe those affirmations. Because you could say, I am pretty, I am pretty, I am pretty, and not believe it, but you really have to acknowledge what is pretty about you. And pretty is not about the outside. Pretty is about being who you are and genuine. Social media is awful, awful, awful. It depicts so much what pretty should be. And these teenagers today, they don't know because they were now they're being born with the with the phone right in their face. So the tools that I really make that work with them are acknowledgement and understanding, breathing, meditating, forgiveness, and then just creating new habits, really just creating new habits. I have a workbook that I have for high schools and the workbook's called hashtag I am free. And we create new habits by the end of the semester or the end of this time, they've created brand new habits that they can use to be successful forever. Not just now, which they will have them for now, but for their future. And some of them don't even know what they want to do with their future. They're so afraid. There's more suicide happening in high school students than ever before. Students are afraid. Students, they don't know. There's so much pressure on at school. And then the real world shocks them. So these tools are, for me, what helped me get from my pain here now. Every tool that I have in this book is what I use to get where I am now. And if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Forgive. Breathe. The most important is just breathe, be aware of yourself, learn who you are. A lot of times I talk to teenagers that are in relationships and they go from one relationship to another relationship. And then that starts their, that starts their cycle of how it's going to be in the future. And going from one relationship to another, you don't even know about yourself. You're just now leaving one relationship and now trying to learn something new about another one. And I don't think you ever get to the point where you just know who you are. And then that turns into your life cycle. So one bit of advice is just know who you are and be strong with who you are. That's beautiful. And earlier you talked about some self-limiting beliefs or fears that you had that kind of accumulated growing up. Can you elaborate on that? And what do you feel was really holding you back? Um, I just never felt I was important. I never felt I was important. So I just never did anything more. I just was always just there. 
Okay, I went to school. I got okay grades. I passed my test. I passed high school. I just didn't do anything more because I never felt validated. I never felt heard. So if you're not feeling validated or heard from your family, you don't really think anybody else cares about you either. So that was, that was an internal struggle for sure. So in your book, one of the tools that you mention is to ask yourself three defining questions before you go anywhere or do anything. And those questions are, who am I? What do I stand for? And what do I want to show the world? Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Can you tell me yeah. more? Yeah. You just have to know who the most important question is just know who you are just to know who you are what do you want how do you represent yourself if you don't know those questions there's no way you can learn about someone else and fully give yourself to that person and have a successful relationship with that person with that place with the job whatever it may be if you don't know who you are what you represent and how you show it to the world. That's the first thing you got to find out. Who are you? So Sherry, thank you so much for sharing. So your business is called Lotuswood Journey. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? First of all, where did the name come from and what services do you offer? Um, I came up with the name Lotuswood Journey because a lotus grows out of the mud and it only grows out of the mud. So I felt like throughout this journey, I grew into this beautiful flower. So what happens when a lotus grows, it does just grow out of mud. It's gotta be murky, dirty water. And I grew from that murky, dirty water. And when the lotus blooms, it doesn't have any dirt on it. So the way it blooms, the, the petals, they don't hold on to the dirt. It's the most beautiful flower. And I do feel that way. As I grew through this mud, I was able to stand tall in the mud that I grew from. And I didn't have that dirt on me. I don't have the triggers from the past. I don't need them or think about them or accept them because I felt like I'm this beautiful lotus flower. So that's where lotus came from. Wood is because of my friend Dave Wood who told me to go get Reiki. He is one of the closest people to me in my life. He, um, he changed my life. So that's why I have wood in there. And journey is because I'm on a journey. And it's never ending. The journey's never ending. You, you know, I don't wake up and go, oh, look at the butterflies and roses. I don't do that. You know, I wake up and I have real life stuff. I have a daughter that doesn't want to get up for school and I have to rush. I have bills that have to be paid. I have clients that I see. I have to drive a car with people that some of them don't know how to drive. So it's about just learning how to redirect, learning how to act, learning how to react. So the journey is never ending. And that's where I got Lotuswood Journey from. When I realized that it just didn't stop, it continued, Journey was the perfect ending to my business title. Any, any other final thoughts before we wrap up? You know, just know that when it's scary, the journey is scary and it's hard, 
really hard. If anybody says, oh, it's easy, they didn't do it the right way because it's hard to get and really understand your pain to the point where you can look at it and just see, okay, you see it, you know it's worth, and you move on from it. The journey is hard, but the payout is priceless. So I wish anyone that's going on their journey all of the luck and just be patient with yourself. Be kind with yourself. That's, that's another thing. A lot of people want it right now and that doesn't happen. So just be patient and kind and love yourself. So this is really great, Sherry. Thank you so much. So where can people find you to learn more? Um, I do have a website. It's SherryMarkAntuano.com. And I also have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Great. Thank you so much. I'll be putting links to all those in the show notes so people can find you. I really appreciate you being on here. And if you want to learn more about Reiki, you can check out Reiki.org. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. That's all for this episode of The Other Side of Diversity podcast. Hope you've been inspired. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show or leave a review. It's the equivalent of supporting a small business owner. Love fully, live fully, and shine your beautiful light. Thank you.